Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. I'm alongside my wonderful co-host, Jared Gifford, also the writer and creator of Darum, Captain of the Stars. Yes. I am the creator and writer of The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe. Both are available at crazymonkeyinc.com, and that's ink with a K. It's really interesting that we always have to say that. You'd think the listeners in the podcast would be like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's with a K? <laughs> well, but at the same time, um, we always say it not so much for the old timers who come and have listened to us since the yeah. beginning, but we say it for the new people coming in. Because most people, when you usually put an ink at the end of something, most people aren't thinking ink from a pen. Yeah. They're thinking ink as an incorporated. So they're thinking like it's a business. And in a way, it kind of is. <laughs> but But in this case, the ink is supposed to refer to ink that you'd have from a pen yeah because you know we're we're comic we're comic book people so it makes a kind of sense so it, like yes it is a company so ink almost isn't crazy monkey ink incorporated but uh-huh. but the k because since you know we have a ton of artists ton of awesome artists under our banner oh yeah and we are a comic book place um you know, that would make a lot of sense. So, no, this, this, we always will let them know about the K for the newcomers, not mm-hmm. so much for the people who've been listening. Now, I have some good news before we delve into the actual business of the podcast. And that is? Gaspar mm-hmm. Rico is starting back on pages for Tax Cab Joe, issue nice. number three. Nice. And he will have page number 17 for me. This upcoming Wednesday. That is awesome. So we are so much more closer to getting Tax Cab Joe number three taken care of. Mind you, I don't know why I went on the tangent I did and I made it 28 pages. <laughs> but that's literally the only issue that's going to have that tangent in it. <laughs> yeah, um, so for those who don't, for those who don't know... Um, um, and Corey has said this before. Number three is going to be a little bit longer coming out, but that's because the page counts a lot higher on this one. Yeah. So mm. I'm anticipating, and we we could squeeze four, but I'm anticipating at least three comics coming out this year yeah. because oh, okay. of how long three is going to be. Well, yeah, because well, because you're going to have to because uh, instead of your usual twenty four, which you do, mm-hmm. um, you've tacked on four more pages. Yeah. So, so I would say they'd have to factor in at least an extra month or so just now, to get those pages out. Now, what I'm trying to do, and if I can squeeze it in, that'd be great because we yeah. still got to worry about Gaspar doing your books as well. Mm-hmm. What I'm wanting to do, and it's totally feasible if time permits. Yes. Um, getting three and four out, and also at least getting started with number two of Sexy Zombie Hunters, and then maybe having number two come out in 2020 of January. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like I said, uh, as, you, as you just said, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Exactly. But, but, but at least you'll be getting more issues of Taxi Cab Joe, more issues of Darum. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that um, um, Raz just recently put a post on Facebook, and yes. I was looking at it. He said that... Um, that both Ryan Jail Glass and Samir Samal are hard at work now um, on uh, Furious again. They've yeah, they got, got more their... pages going uh, coming out. Yes, which is awesome. And so hopefully that should be done here pretty uh, pretty soon. 
I know that uh, um, that uh, Stefano Cardicelli is hard at work on the Romeo and Juliet graphic novel. Yes, he is. Um, I know that Jason Tudor just uh, is um, is um, um, hard at work on his new project. Um, and oh. then also um, that we're going to be seeing the release of um, Vorpal number three. Number three yeah, because Mike's doing the coloring and lettering for number yeah. three right now for three. And, and yeah, and, the, well, and, and the, uh, I believe there's supposed to be at least a number four to wrap it up. Yeah, he's um, slow at work on number four while he's doing the, com the web comic as well. So he's got yeah. two projects going on at the same yeah. time. So... I'm hoping, yeah. God willing, that both of them come out this year yeah. because the webcomic pictures that mm -hmm. Tudor's been throwing up look amazing. Yeah. Um, and you know Vorpal's going to be amazing every issue. Yeah. So I would love and I'm hoping that both of those come out mm -hmm. this year because that would just show the drive that Tudor has oh, in yeah. this company and in comics. And then uh, also another great thing is uh, uh, Rez's project... Um, um, that that he's doing. Um, yeah, Cyberforce Ninja. Thank you. Yeah. With George Hernandez. Thank you. Thank you. So you are always <laughs> so much more knowledgeable in this project than I am, and I always apologize because the sad thing is, is it's not that I don't care. I mean, I am really looking forward to this project. It's mm -hmm. just that I am so freaking busy trying to get things done with my own projects that unfortunately my knowledge goes by the wayside. So I'm so glad that you keep up on the things that I don't. Well, and I got to give you credit because not only are you six pages away from the very first um, issue of Ronan Brothers that yeah. you've just started, yeah. you've had so much going on, mm -hmm. even just the first start of this year. Yeah. That, you know, I I kind of understand why it can be a, mm -hmm. a, a jumbulation of messes for you. Yeah. And th this is where I come in and Raz come in. We worry about the titles coming out mm -hmm. and refreshing people's memories on when they're supposed to be coming out so that you guys don't have to. You guys just yeah. create and then we throw out the updates of when oh, your guys' yeah. stuff is coming out. So that's all you guys got to worry about is creating and making amazing comics. So. Yeah, exactly. No, but the, I'm just saying that I'm just glad that you know, and uh, and that's the whole thing is that uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. And so for those who don't know that the, um, you know this project that uh, Raz is doing with George Hernandez, um, it's supposed to be a bit of a, an '80s nostalgia fest. Yes. Um, very much like a lot of '80s action movies. It's got um. You know, it's got ninjas, it's got fighting, it's got, um, you know, tons of one-liners. Oh, yeah, it's going to be all over the place. Just, yeah. it, it's like 80s action that you've come to know and love yeah. in probably one of the coolest comics I've, I've well, heard I would, of. I would liken it to, like, to like this. and um, um, It'd be like if G.I. Joe and The Last Dragon were one movie... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and, and, and they made a whole story out of that. Be like if G.I. Joe the movie were um were, or the live action movie, I mean G.I. Joe the live action movie were made in the eighties, um, but it were combined with The Last Dragon. Exactly. Now, um I know how I know you mm -hmm. have a tidbit of updates for stuff that you've been working on. Mm -hmm. Do you um, want to give us just kind of a little synopsis about what you've been toying with? Well, like as we talked about in previous podcasts, I've been working on Ronan Brothers. Yes. 
Um, I'm going to be writing up uh, the, um, at least with this project, I'm going to write the first ten issues to start the story arc. The first story arc is ten issues. Now, to be clear, this is an ongoing, but the first story arc is going to be ten issues. Okay. Um, and sort of an introductory story arc so that people can get to know the characters. Anyway, um, this, uh, I'm, um, I'm six pages away from finishing it. Um, and, uh, in this one, uh, so far it's been, like, the bloodiest project I've ever written. And, in fact, hilariously enough, I think I might have even outdone myself from Death Unicorn. And you know how many, how much, how bloody and how gory Death Unicorn was? Oh, I read the script. Um, <laughs> this might, this might be even worse, because, uh, or better, depending on your outlook. Yeah. But, uh, in this case, um, like, this first issue alone... The two main characters have already killed ten people. Now, you and I had conversed just a couple of nights ago yeah. that this is going to be leaning more towards the adult side of comics, just yeah. like your... Um, Death Unicorn. Death Unicorn, Slayer of Bunnies. And yeah. also, there's some adult stuff in the Sherlock graphic novel as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, um, the thing is, is that... Um, what you're not going to get from me, and I've made this clear, it's just because I've, I've tried it, I suck at it, you know, and I can at least say I tried it and, and it didn't work out well. But mm -hmm. you're never going to get romantic or people getting together stories with me. It just, it, I just don't do that. That's me. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, if you want that kind of stuff, Corey's got plenty of that. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but with me, what you're going to get is you're going to get something that's going to make you think on one level or another. Even my all-ages book, Darum has got things that make you think in it, because it's got a very Shakespearean-type story to it. Um, mm -hmm. With Ronan Brothers, it's also got these kind of different themes, but whereas Darren was a father and son theme, and as I said before in the last podcast, that the, with this one, um, with this one, you're going to very much a, a, thing of, uh, a theme about brothers and brotherhood. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, but I also want it to be... Uh, I also want it to be reminiscent of old samurai movies. And if you watched a lot of those old samurai movies, I mean, they were very bloody. You know, you'd get a guy, slice, and then, like, a river of blood would shoot out of the guy. See, and if you're a fan of mm -hmm. samurai movies like mm -hmm. Jared and I are, yeah. when you read this, you're going to see exactly where the influences came from. Yeah. Because... I look at some of the references that you have been going through to get yeah. this project taken care of, mm -hmm. and not only are they amazing references, but if you're in any way, shape, or form a fan of Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, mm -hmm. any of the old samurais, samurai movies back in the day, you'll mm -hmm. know exactly where Jared's going with, with this story. Uh, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And not just that, but basically it's like, if you watch any of the old... Uh, Akira Kurosawa films, mm -hmm. and uh, and maybe even some of the um, some more of the what are the, uh, I, I get I call them I mean I don't know what anybody else would call them but I call them samurai exploitation films from the seventies because um, well, these that's are kind of like, what they are well they are uh, but it's like you watch something like the Lone Wolf and Cub series yeah and it's very very bloody <laughs> so. With this Ronan Brothers comic, you're going to yeah. get not only violence, but you're also going to get mm -hmm. the hilarity uh -huh. of two brothers you're that gonna, are, yeah, that are gonna, different, yeah. but they squabble on their journey. Yeah, to, just like actual brothers. Exactly. And 
I, I think that's important because, you know, in, in an actual family setting, not brothers aren't going to mm-hmm. get along all the time. It's just not going to no. happen. It, that never happened. They, they, it, it's going to be like like uh, at least most families most families that I know now. Like I said I'm not describing every family, but it's going to be like most families I know. And the fact that, um, and the fact that you know they may not get along all the time, as yeah. you said, but. When it comes time to do the important things, they will set aside their differences to do the right thing. And at the end of the day, they still realize that they're family, regardless yeah. of the crap that they've given each other. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, you got a lot to look forward mm-hmm. to in this comic. And I know I'm looking forward to all these projects coming out by you. Um, I know oh, a yeah. lot of people right now that are looking forward to cracking open... Mm-hmm. Taxi Cab Joe number two and Sexy Zombie Hunters mm-hmm. number one. Um, shortly, we should be getting the test prints for those. I will definitely let you guys oh, know yeah. what's um, up on that. And one last update. One yes. last update. Um, and and you and I have been talking about this also recently. Is that okay. uh, you? You and I have both talked about that we're finally going to start putting some money towards the Sherlock Holmes graphic novel, which is going to be awesomely penciled and inked by Craig DeBoard. Exactly. And I don't think we have to tell a whole lot of people the the, the bibliography that <laughs> Craig DeBoard has in comics. Oh yeah, uh, it, you know, um, <laughs> it, well, and one they should definitely check out of his. So there's a main series that he does, and and he does he he actually does a free web comic, but he does compile them into graphic novels, and uh, and and he sells those. Uh, but uh, it, it check out a series called Indiana. That's actually a really good one. I like yeah. that one. Yeah, and uh, Craig DeBoard, it, I mean, it's his baby. He conceived it. He, he mm-hmm. writes the stories. He does all the art. And so mm. if you're looking for something fresh and interesting and something that's just completely amazing, mm-hmm. basically get anything by Craig DeBoard and know that when you're mm. reading that yes, and when you're looking at the art and that and then you read the Sherlock Holmes graphic novel coming out, yeah. you're getting this... The same exact aesthetics, you're getting the same exact professionalism, mm-hmm. the same exact awesomeness and phenomenalism that is the board. Yeah. So you have a lot to look forward to this year, and mm-hmm. I'm, I for one am extremely excited. I know I say that I was excited <laughs> for last year, but you're good. God damn it. Yeah. I am super pumped for the <laughs> stuff that we got going on this year because not only do we have a ton of surprises for yeah. the Crazy Monkey Inc. followers? Yeah. We're also going to be doing more conventions. Yep. We're going to be doing more book signings. Yep. We're going to be bringing out more fantastic comics. Yeah. And also, one thing that I would love to do, if we could get the comic book store owner in on it, yeah. at least maybe three or four times this year, take a Saturday... Yeah. Set up a booth in the back, and then maybe do some panels on people that are interested in how to get into comics, and maybe how to write a panel for a comic. Like, say, yeah. how do you write a page for mm-hmm. a comic, or how do you get into the business, and then maybe give some tips. Exactly. I mean, that, no, that I think that would be an awesome idea. Um, and uh, anyway, um, now that we've got all the announcements out of the way, let's get to our main topic of discussion today. Last week, we had covered Corey's favorite author, Stephen King. Tonight, we are going to be covering my favorite author, Frank Herbert. And, it, <laughs> and here's the thing about Frank Herbert. He might not have a whole lot of books like Stephen King out. However, the stuff yeah. that he does have out is so iconic 
that if we you say a... Frank Herbert in a library yeah. and, you, and a couple of heads don't twist sideways, well, and he's actually there's a done, problem. He's actually done <laughs> um, various different kinds of books. He's mainly known for sci-fi. Uh-huh. But for those of you out there, I know those who at least know the name Frank Herbert, they know where it comes from, is that this is the man who conceived his own universe. Very much like J.R.R. Mm -hmm. Tolkien, Frank Herbert created the Dune universe. Now, you and I are old enough. Yeah, <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> to know that when we first got the Dune book, yeah. there were two things that flashed through our minds. A, this yeah. is going to be a great read. Yeah. B, damn, this is long. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long book, and it's very, very... It's one of those books that you... It's like you, you, you have to get used to um, uh, being really wordy, but just very much like how J.R.R. Tolkien's um, books were. Exactly. Yeah. And Tolstoy, like War and Peace. Yeah. But if you can get through War and Peace, you can get through Dune. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. With Dune, and then with Dune, I mean, for those who aren't familiar with it, basically, uh, and I'll just describe... At least yeah, the story us, in the first book. Give us book. a synopsis about what's this yeah, about. Yeah, well, and, and then each one goes into different generations of it. Yeah. But uh, what happens is the first one starts that um, that the uh, main character is a character named Paul Atreides. And anyway, what happens is the Atreides bloodline is one of the big houses uh, in the galaxy. And this is like this is like way, 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 way in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, this is almost like, and, and almost like royalty type Yeah, thing. yeah, what happens is... Um, the various societies have broken up into different houses. Yeah. And they're set up very much like an aristocracy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and basically, the Atreides are one powerful family. The Harkonnens are another powerful family. Exactly. And then there's the Carinos, which is, uh, which is the other big powerful family. Um, and, uh, anyway, um, the, uh, what happens is that, uh, the one planet that every planet is like coveting is is Arrakis, mm -hmm. and it's this barren desert world. But there's a reason why they covet this planet because it produces what is known as the spice, mm -hmm. and um, the spice is basically it it contains an element which basically taps into people's latent psychic powers. And uh, they basically can control their yeah. people through it's this what spice. It's what, yeah, it's it's what it's what helps the Bene Gesserit witches to um, to see their visions. Yeah, um, it's what helps the um, the mining guild to uh, to basically chart the universe. Yeah, mine the best mines and get yeah. the best materials out of them. Yeah. And, uh, but that's why it's so sought out. Yeah, yeah. The, the spice, <laughs> as I said, the spice is something that the, that the whole galaxy covets. So it's kind of the yeah. spice of life. Well, uh, a nice play on words, but it works. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, what happens is, uh, um, for the longest time, the Harkonnens have controlled the spice mines on Arrakis. Yeah. And what happens is the, um, the, um, the emperor, um, the shot, the Shadam emperor, um, he uh, he basically gives permission to the Atreides to be able to mine on Arrakis, and so what happens is the Harkonnens are supposed to pull out, and then the Atreides 
and their mining operation is supposed to go in. They're supposed to pull out. They're supposed to. Well, no, well, <laughs> well here's what it comes out. And I'm going to give a whole lot of spoilers. For those who don't no, want to do the spoilers, you're going to have to uh, fast forward a lot. Like uh, the whole episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but basically what happens is, that, well, it was, all, it was all a sham. It was all, um, it was all sort of a trap. Because mm -hmm. what happens was the Shadam Emperor had actually made a deal with the Harkonnens. Because the Karkonans didn't like the Atreides as their competition. They wanted to kill them and get rid of them. Yeah, so, so they, that were they the had a monopoly on the spice mines. Mm -hmm. um, and so what happened was, um, yeah, they, they basically make it look like they pulled out and everything, but then secretly they left some of their operatives there to keep updates. And then basically what happened was they got finally were able to get the Atreides in a position. And what happened was... There, there was a traitor in their midst. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the uh, Atreides house servants had betrayed them to the Harkonnens. And um, anyway, um, they uh, they basically uh, managed to kill the father, mm -hmm. but um, both Paul and his mother managed to escape. And the really interesting thing about yeah. the story is yeah. it, it it's not like your it's not like your classic overtake. It wasn't no. an ambush, it was from the inside. No, it, it said it was a it was a setup. It was it was basically um an inside job as you as you put it. Yeah, and it was very cleverly done because Herbert has such a way of mm -hmm. making it seem like, you know, he's going to go along and be part and help out and stuff like that and all of yeah. a sudden he like the light flicks on, and mm -hmm. then it just—it almost like crumbles right beneath their feet. It's—it's it's really smart storytelling. It is. And then, um, anyway, um, him and his mother managed to make it out. Um, they, um, and then they end up running into these. Um, um, they, they, they end up running into these, these, uh, the, um, uh, God, I'm getting put on the spot, and I'm blanking out here. You're fine. Um. He's, it's the, um, they, they're what's known, uh, God, they're the, the people in the sand, the ones that dwell in the caves, uh, well, I am totally I'm just disappointing a lot of, uh, this, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, people right now, and I'll, and it'll come to me when I'm not thinking about it, I'm just and then gonna I'll hate them, myself when I'm I I'm just gonna call them the sand people, because, Yeah, you but know. basically, well, they're basically a desert-dwelling sand people. Yeah. And, uh. And anyway, um, uh, they come to end up living with them, and then they, uh, and then basically what happens is uh, Paul finds out that he's part of a prophecy, um, because he's supposed to be a man called, uh, 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 he's supposed to be the coming of, uh, of sort of like a prophet, mm -hmm. and, uh, known as the Quitsis Hatterach. Yes. And, uh, basically it's like a god in human form. Um. And he's supposed to set everything right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, anyway, um, anyway, uh, he, um, um, and, and, and these people manage to survive because they wear these things called still suits. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the still suits, basically what the, what they do is they actually recycle your natural body liquids. Um... And so basically, you know, um, your sweat and stuff, and, and even your saliva, gets re-filtered in, and it actually provides you more water. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to drink as much. Yeah, basically, basic, what, basically what it does is it makes it so that, 
since water is very scarce on that planet, it makes it so that they don't have to have it as often as you said. Yeah. Um, They're like camels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Think of it like the same principles camels. Um, and anyway, um, they and then they basically gather them all together and uh, and basically Paul and um, and all these uh, worm riders um, and. Uh, um, they basically plan an attack against the Harkonnens to basically take back the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then basically dethrone, uh, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Now, I love how they go about doing this, because it isn't yeah. just some military strategist way no. that they go in and infiltrate and all that BS. Yeah. They have a complete plan... And it just unfolds so beautifully. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's like yeah. a shitload of people that die in this book. Oh yeah, there's a ton of people. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah, it's war. Um, it's all out freaking. Oh yeah, they don't, they don't. They don't make it. They don't make it pretty. But 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 no, but you should be right. It was actually very well planned. Because what happened was, it seems like a random series of attacks. But no, what happens is, they did the series of attacks. Is then they knew that Baron Vladimir Harkonnen would react, and then he, there'd be a certain way he'd do things, mm-hmm. and because he would think he was thinking that he was getting rid of the Atreides again. Yeah. But what happened was they ended up playing right into the hands of Paul and his followers. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then basically, yeah, yeah, because his whole plan was he just wanted to gather all the Harkonnens up in one place. Mm-hmm. And then just like yeah. wipe them out. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I'm saying is, uh, and then, and then, you know, I mean, um, and, uh, you know, um, this was in the book, but it was also in the movie. Um, and I think this is underrated, but I'm going to give props to this. I'm actually one of the few fans of David Lynch's version of Dune. Well, he did a good job. I mean, there's nothing that he didn't cover from the book. Yeah, you know. the, the only problem is, is he just didn't have enough movie to put in there. But uh, but no, what he had in there, I thought was really good. I mean, I, I, I totally love that scene where um, where um, he's talking to the Benny Gesserit witch, mm-hmm. and he basically says, um, um, uh, he said, "Go into that place that you dare not look." You'll find me there, staring back at you. And then, uh, uh, and then, and then she she was trying to do her her little thing, uh, her little mind trick thing. And then basically she's like, "You mustn't." And then he just screams her back, and he says, "Silence!" Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, proving his point that he had gone beyond her in power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, shut her up. Yeah. Basically, it was one of those things that she still thought that she could control him, mm-hmm. but he had proven to her that he had gone beyond her in terms of psychic power. Now, one thing that I would like to mm-hmm. point out is that mm-hmm. when you read the very first Dune book, yeah, that's just a small portion of the universe. You've, oh yeah, there's, well, there's so there's, many there's, other books. Well. Uh, just so you know, there's six main books in the series mm-hmm. which Frank Herbert had written. But for those who are interested, now I kind of like them. I have several other friends who don't. I mean, uh, I know my I know my friend Char- Chad Harden, and hey, good guy, love him. Mm-hmm. Give him a shout out right now. But uh, but no, Chad's not a fan of these. But 
Um, Frank Herbert's son, Brian Herbert, mm-hmm. has actually expanded the universe, and he's uh, he's had help from Kevin J. Anderson, who's written a lot of different Star Wars books. Yeah. Um, and they've done stuff like they went into the various houses, because, I mean, I own a few of them. they got, like, House Atreides, House Harkonnen, House Carino. Um, they have things on the, um, the Butlerian... Lyrian, I, I can't even say it, but uh, the but, Butlerian, the the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. Um, they have um the Machine Crusade, which mm-hmm. they go into. Um, What's interesting is there's a book for each one of those houses. Oh yeah, well and then they also have like there's Man Mentats of Dune. See, I like that one. There's the Sisterhood of Dune. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I said. Uh, I think what Brian Herberts is is sort of more of a prehistory of Dune. He kind of sets up uh, more stuff about basically um, the, the world in which uh, his father created, like uh, it just basically a little bit more explanation as to why certain things are. Now, don't get us wrong. Mm. Brian's alliterations um, mm-hmm. don't take away from what Herbert had done. They oh, add yeah. to it. Yeah, and that's what I think. Like I said, not everybody agrees with me. And like I said, I, for, I forgive Chad for this, but yeah, Chad does not like them. I, um, I do. Yeah, and I, I, I like them. But <laughs> but I will agree with him on this one, and, uh, and, and and you and I both agree on this one. Okay. The best Dune books are the ones that were done by Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert created the universe, so you gotta give you got to give him props, because he was the one... He was the one that created the path that everyone else kind of branched off of. Exactly. Now, I, me personally, yeah. and, you know, some people will hate on it, some people won't. Okay. Me personally, I'm a fan of all of the Dune series. Yeah, I am too. However, if I had to pick one in particular to give someone to be like, okay, start with this one first yeah. and then go through the rest of them. Yeah. I would say book number three. Um, that was actually a pretty good one, too. Um, the thing is, is that, uh, personally, I would tell them to start from the beginning just so they have a good idea of the family and the history. Yeah. But that one is actually a good one, too. Um, for those that don't know, uh, the third one is... Um, that. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm trying to remember. There was... There was Dune. There was... Um, Heretics was five. Yeah, Heretics is five. Um, crap, what the hell was it? See, and I've got the whole entire... T- so sad, you got to put on the spot, and then I forget these things. But, uh, um, Children of Dune. Yeah, Children, Children of Dune, Dune was the third one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that one... <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, God. We're not We're not editing that out. No, no, this, we got to keep that one. That's right. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Children of Dune dealt with Paul Atreides' kids. Exactly. And uh, his his son had actually become so much more adept at... Um, so much more adept at the mind powers than he had ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see yeah. how... Um, this, <sighs> bless you. How the spice from the first book, how mm-hmm. it had transferred to the second and third book, and how yeah. his son and his daughter um, daughter had basically yeah. manipulated at, manipulated it mm-hmm. and made it even more accessible to the people from the planet of Dune, so yeah. that so that it wasn't just given out to the chosen few. Well, but then they also started 
Um, so what happened was that the, um, it had become a little bit more accessible, but then you go into the fourth book, which has got Emperor of Doom, which is actually based a few thousand years, and this is after um, Paul's son, who's also named Leto Atreides, who's named after his father. Yeah. Um, Leto, what happens is he basically decides to um, embrace what his father shunned away from. Because Paul was actually supposed to be the Quintus Hatterach. He was supposed to be able to do this. But he yeah. shunned away from that and decided he didn't want it. And then what happened was his son embraced it. <laughs> and then he basically became like a... He basically became like a, a, a god. And then he actually started developing more sandworm-like features. Mm -hmm. And then by the time this came around, he basically was almost more worm-like. And he only the only thing that was kind of human was his face. Um, and... Uh, Anyway, um, the uh, by this point he he had pretty much restricted what almost everybody could do. The Bene Gesserit was 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 a much smaller order. Mm -hmm. um, he had uh, he had pretty much dissolved the mining guild. Yeah, um, because he yeah. he wanted the dependency to be upon him. Well, yeah, basically, yes, what I'm saying. Um, he basically wanted them to depend on him. Mm -hmm. And uh, and anyway, um, each one goes a little bit further, but... Uh, and then you have, like, Heretics of Doom, which is based several thousand years after Leto had died. Um, and then you finally have um, um, Chapter House Dune, which is the yes. final book in the series, which uh, what happens is uh, that one deals with the fact that the planet of Dune had become, started becoming much more lush and green. And well, here's the big problem. Where there's less sand, there's less sandworms. And the sandworms are the ones that produce the spice. Exactly. So the spice yeah. is getting scarce. Yeah. So that's where you have all of the fighting because yeah. with minimal minimal oh, and minerals of spice, yeah. Yeah. more people are going after well, the minimalization the, of it. Is they, um, they, con they concoct this plan to basically almost like take a whole other planet and scorch it all over mm -hmm. and basically create an all new Arrakis. Exactly. They basically want to do what is called a scorched earth type of thing. And yeah. basically take the spice and plant it and well, make well, mines on that one well, yeah. and then make and then make Dune completely barren. Yeah, well yeah, and oh uh, well no, no. Basically Dune was lush and green. It was gonna stay that way. Yeah. But what happened was they were wanting to create a whole new planet like Dune whole basic barren sand planet so that the worms could come back and mm -hmm. so that more spice could be produced again. Yeah. Um, Basically, so, it came know. down to greed. That's, yeah. that's how I read it. I don't know about anybody Oh, else. no, no, no. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. And in fact, no, that's what... That's a lot of what Dune um, is about. And you take away the sci-fi setting. Yeah. Dune is really about... You know how the aristocracy is, and, and how much it really hasn't even changed. Is that you basically have that those that are in power will want to keep it indefinitely. Exactly. Um, and that's really sort of the theme of Dune, at least from uh, you know, what both you and I read mm -hmm. into, is that the whole theme of the Dune s series is basically about how aristocracy will always try to keep its power. Yeah, and they'll, they'll always look after themselves and yeah. basically try to stamp out anybody mm -hmm. who gets in their way. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, and, uh, and then to me, yeah, that's what that's what I read into the what the overall theme of it was. And and that's what I'm saying. It's like, and 
it was like one of the definitive series to me growing up. Because the funny thing is, is uh, you know, and I'd mentioned this before in the last podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, um, my my dad used to uh, used to read a lot of these kind of books to me. It's like when I was a kid, he used to read to uh, to uh, to my brother Derek and I. He used to read he used to read us like like a lot of the J.R.R. Tolkien books. That's uh-huh. where him and I got a love for like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, and then he'd also read to us Dune, like like. Derek and I got familiar with the Dune universe because our dad used to read the books to us. <laughs> See, now... Yeah. I'm really indebted to Frank Herbert because yeah. you look at all of the science and all of the mm-hmm. lore behind Dune and just how how big of a mind you he'd have to have to construct this type of universe. Yeah. I really got to give it to him because I think kind of like him when I'm doing mm-hmm. the Tax Cab Joe universe and how you do the Darem universe, yeah. we think on a very large scale. We're not just yeah. like a couple of planets. This is like Dune-esque type you're, you're, you're thinking more, yeah, you're thinking more universe spanning rather than how's this affecting this planet and this person or whatever. No, you're, you're, think, you're thinking large scale. Exactly. But that's the thing. If you're going to write a large story, you need a large-scale story. Exactly. Now, it's not to say that you can't you can't hop from planet to planet that you make. No. However, you've got to make it grandiose yeah. enough and operatic enough mm-hmm. that not only can it have a continuation theme to it, yeah. but you can expand and make different races and how they... If you're, going, exactly, if you're going to make um, if you're going to make a story that is very large, yes, it has to be large in scope. So the whole thing is is that you know, that's the whole thing. Space opera is always that way. If you're gonna do space opera, it has to have big grandiose themes. And exactly. The, and, and and then you know have have this sort of large universe that it inhabits. Um, and we're not talking uh, about space opera like you know we've got. Andrew Lloyd Webber singing in the background <laughs> as Harlock, Harlock's going on his ship in the Arcadia. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I know, and I'm glad you did bring that up. Because for those who don't, uh, don't understand, if you're not familiar with the term space opera and you're thinking like maybe a bunch of fat ladies singing on spaceships, <laughs> you are completely wrong. Space opera is basically just any science fiction that's very large and epic in scope. Um, it's almost and, got like a grandiose theme yeah. to it. Yeah, it's not just it's not just a simple you know good guy gets the laser and shoots the bad guy and ooh saves the day. You know that's no no. <laughs> the, um, what it is is basically it's it, it has a tendency to be very big and large and Shakespearean. I mean, you look at um, you look at Star Trek. That's space opera. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at um, you look at Star Wars. That's space opera. Yeah. Um, you look at something like my favorite thing, like Captain Harlock. Car- Captain Harlock is so definitely space opera. Because it's so expansive. There's yeah. so much to Captain Harlock. Oh yeah. Well, in fact, it's part of a it's part of a shared universe mm-hmm. because that's even got other things crossing over into it because Galaxy Express Triple Nine is part of the same universe. Mm-hmm. So is Galaxy Railways. Um, so is Star Blazers. It's based in a different time period, but Star Blazers is based on the same yeah. universe. Queen Esmeralda as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen Esmeralda, uh, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. So um, most of what 
Lee Masamoto created as part of a shared universe. Some may be based in different time periods, um, and then some are based in the exact same time period. Yeah. But it's all part of one shared universe. Now, veering a little tiny bit off topic, just because I want oh, the good. just because I want the listeners to kind of understand where you're coming from for your yeah. Darum story arcs. Yeah. When they read Darum uh-huh. and they read the expansive universe that you have unfolded mm-hmm. for them could you get a give us kind of spoilers as to what they might bump into well actually this actually totally ties into what we're talking about with frank herbert so i can totally tie this in together i'm okay with I that mean, i've got i've got frank herbert to thank for one of the things is that um when you're doing big grand epic sci-fi he's yeah. one of the people i uh, he's one of the people i think about um as well as lee J. masamoto mm-hmm. and, and and even george lucas and uh Anybody who's created, or even Gene Roddenberry, you know, people who create great big um, sci-fi universes. Yes. Um, the and, and when people run into with Darum, I mean, like I said, um, Darum's got very much this father-son theme to it. Yeah. And uh, what they can expect to see in it is things that are reflective of that theme. They can also expect to see things that are um, very uh, dramatic um, and uh, um, have a lot of pathos to it. Yeah. Um, there are going to be a lot of scenes where you're going to see um, further expanded pasts of characters, um, why certain characters maybe um, might be distant emotionally. Um, why certain characters maybe, um, come off as a little rough, um, and then, um, and then just basically the skeletons in their closet, they may maybe have a tendency to hide, that we all do, and, and this is, this, and this doesn't make them bad people, it just makes, it just makes them people, it just makes them people in general, and the whole thing is, I don't care who you are, you could be the saintliest saint in the entire world, and you've got something that you're hiding from somebody. It, it, it doesn't it, make you a bad person. And this is like, I don't want. I want people to understand. I'm not trying to demonize people in general. Yeah. I'm just saying we've all got something we're ashamed of, and to and and if you at least accept it, and move on from that, and maybe try to work to better yourself, that's a lot more healthier than just denying that you have problems altogether. And one thing that I've tried to do in life, and I know this is kind of not veering yeah. off topic, but yeah, in, go ahead. a bit is a bit, um, is embracing not only the things that make me, mm-hmm. you know, great and the good qualities about myself, you know, I also do my best to, you know, embrace the flaws that I have. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. It's about accepting who you are. And if you have flaws, it's not just about accepting the flaws, it's about accepting the flaws and then working to not act on them. Exactly. Um, and, you know, that's what I'm saying. To embrace flaws doesn't mean that you're going to sit there and keep on acting on them. No. <laughs> to embrace flaws means to acknowledge that you have them, mm-hmm. and then, when, when you know that maybe you're going to act on it, to then decide not to. Um, exactly. And then that's what I'm saying. It's like, anybody. So, yeah, I said, you know, even, you know, and a lot of people are like, <gasps> Even Gandhi had his faults. Even Mother Teresa had her faults. You know, um... St. Francis of Assisi had his faults. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, no matter who you look up to, no matter who's your big pillar of how to be, Yeah. even they had flaws. And I believe 
in the most real of ways, that is why you and I have the idols and heroes we have, is because we do realize they they do some pretty grand and epic things. Yeah. And then they have flaws, and that's what makes them relatable. Yeah, exactly. But we know they're not perfect. Yeah. There's no such thing as the perfect person. You know, and and the whole thing is, but that's okay. And this is where a lot of people always like, how dare you? How blasphemous of you? But it's just like, no, here's the thing. It's okay that that's not the thing. Exactly. Here's the whole thing. When you come to an acceptance of that, it's actually a whole lot easier to be like, okay, I have these flaws, but hey, I'm not going to act on them. Exactly. And Mm. there might be things that make your life sometimes unbearable. Yeah. And that's totally okay because yeah. we're here to learn and grow throughout life. Yeah. And if we don't have those bumps in the road, yeah. we'll never know how much more stronger we could have been had we not been able to go through those. Exactly, exactly. So, no, I mean, I, I would totally bring that up, and that, that's what I'm saying. So, you say, yeah, that's what I'm going for. And then, anyway, in terms of Darum, mm-hmm. um, the thing is, is, like I said, no, and and, 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 I said, and that's actually something I even learned from um from frank herbert yeah actually believe it or not it's like a, well, i was reading through his stories here's the whole thing you you had paul atreides and even his son leader atreides but here's the whole thing here's where they all went wrong paul atreides went wrong because he tapped into the power of a god but then shrank from it and uh and and went into hiding yeah his whole thing was that he basically became a hermit and he ran away from what his responsibilities were. The problem with his son Leto was he went the exact opposite direction. Leto completely embraced it and then basically set himself up as a god on Dune. And he power tripped like crazy. Oh yeah, he, <laughs> he was like he was like he was like Jabba the Hutt with godlike powers. He was extremely fat. Well, he was. Oh. I told you, it's like a well, by yeah, God Emperor by God Emperor of Dune, he was actually almost been completely converted into a sandworm. The 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 only thing that was human left of him was he still had the human face on the very top. I have to wonder what I would look like as a sandworm, but I you know, I'm kinda yeah. skinny right now, but damn, I'd yeah. be like fat as balls. But either way, what I'm saying <laughs> is is that is that they both had their flaws. Yeah. I said the father had his flaws because he basically chose to run from destiny rather than embrace it. Yeah. His son had his flaw because because he he decided to embrace his destiny, but the problem was was that he power tripped on it. Yeah. He he basically became a tyrant. And it shows you that there yeah. is no real gray scale yeah. with power and how it's perceived. Yeah, exactly. And so and so that was sort of, and, and there's a lot of those things that seep into Darum mm-hmm. because uh, um with Darum, when I, one of the things I try to I try to show is that um, the character uh, you know who the good guys are, you know who the bad guys are. But I still want to show that even though the good guys may have the greater cause that they're fighting for, it doesn't mean that they're these perfect, you know, um, bright shining heroes. Exactly. Even yeah. your very last yeah. ten issue story arc of Darum yeah. from fifty to sixty. Had them dealing with all sorts of chaos. Oh, yeah. And coming to terms with who they were and, you know, being able to... Oh, and it just goes to show you that uh, that Darum, even though he keeps it together most of the time, that even he has his breaking point. Yeah. That he has... 
he has certain subjects which have a tendency to um, cloud his judgment. Exactly. Um, so, it, and, and that's what they're going to look forward to in the current story arc. Um, and no, and like I said, I like it because I could actually tie in Frank Herbert with that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's what I'm saying. And then, uh, you know, um, in far, as far as, like, we're going with Donald's, the funny thing is, like, I like what you did in the last podcast, going through favorite Stephen King novels and everything. Oh, okay. Um, I figure we can go through, uh, in this case, I mean, we'll probably just mainly be naming off Dune books, but but let's go through uh, our favorite lists of, like, uh, Frank Herbert books. And you know what? For the sake of the fact that we can even expand it, let's, uh, let's even add in some of the ones that his son Brian did. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And now, I can't yeah. remember yeah. the first book that his son Brian did... The oh, title that, of it. That would have actually the very first book his son ever did was House of Trades. That's right. Now, with that one, it expanded on so much that the original Dune book was about. It's almost like you could read Dune mm-hmm. and then right after that read House of Atreides yeah. and you like added you know, to well, the volume the way, well, which the, Dune was. Well actually what you're supposed to do, because this is supposed to take place when um Paul's father, Leto, um, was was younger. Mm-hmm. So what you're supposed to do is these were supposed to be companion books to to the first Dune. Yeah. When you had House Atreides, House Arconan, House Carino, these were supposed to be preludes to Dune. So what you were supposed to do is read these three books and then go and read Dune, and then you have a clear picture of what, what everyone's motivations were. Now, we're trying to give you exactly what you're supposed to do yeah. So that if you don't read it in order, mm-hmm. I mean that's okay too. I mean it, it doesn't matter. This way. You can you can just read all the Frank Herbert books and and the Brian Herbert books wouldn't 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 affect your reading uh, reading of it. You'd still get a good picture of Dune. However, ha- however, however, <laughs> if you do want to get a because I know a lot of people like us who actually like to expand the history. Yeah. Um, for those who want to say start at what is considered the beginning. The official, uh, well, in fact, they've even gone even further back. Um, you probably want to start as far back as things like the Butlerian Jihad and the machine, and, and and then um, and and uh, the machine. Um, what was that? No, the, uh, the um, no, what is it called? Uh, the but it, but it, when the machines uprise, uh, uh, it'll come to me when I'm not thinking about it again. I'd even mentioned it earlier. I've sadly spaced it out again. He's going to um, be okay, folks. It's late. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but they should read those some of that pre-stuff first. Um, and then if you're really wanting a good lead-up to the first Dune book, definitely read the house books. Read House Atreides, read House Arcona, and read House Carino. Mm-hmm. And that's a good lead-up to the first Dune book. Um and so I don't know. Is that is that is that what you you would start with? That's what I would have said. Uh, house, how, I'm guessing that what you were leaning towards was House of Trades. Exactly. Now I I would do House of Trades first, and then do the other two because you're going to get confused as balls if you if you mix those up. Yeah, but no, definitely those those are really good. <laughs> And then if you're going to read in the order that goes in that order, it's House Atreides, House Arconan, then House Carino. Exactly. <laughs> now, um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, and since we're doing Frank Herbert, because this yeah. ties in so well like we did with Stephen King, Yeah. 
I want to get your favorite novel by Frank Herbert and also a comic recommendation, and then I'll match you. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, my favorite Frank Herbert novel, I mean, it's definitely going to be in the Dune series. I love all of them, but I have to say there's a reason why the the one that gets adapted the most into the popular medium is the first book, Dune. Yeah. I would actually have to say that. My favorite in the entire whole franchise, Dune, I love all of them. But I have to go with the first one. The first one, to me, was the one that had the most stuff happening in it. This is true. Um, and it's very good. Because the other ones are good, but they get very, very political. Oh, yeah. Um, the very first Dune had a lot of stuff going on it, and it was a little bit political. But most of it, pretty much, it was like you just had one thing happening after, after the other. I mean, first you had the Atreides getting the spice mines on Arrakis. And then there's the betrayal, and then there's the training, and then there's the uh, Paul Atreides coming back to take to take and kill the remaining members of the Harkonnen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just a lot of stuff happening, and it was it was it's still very good and very exciting to read to this day to me. And I said, I even love the the film adaptation. My favorite still though being the David Lynch version. Exactly. I think it's underrated, but yeah. And then actually, um, I'm gonna even say this because they even had this. Granted, you can't find any marks. It's been, um, it, it's been out of print. Oh, okay. But, but I'm gonna mention for this is that uh, comic book recommendations is the gra uh, is the graphic novel adaptation of the Dune movie. I think you can still get it on Amazon. Yeah, no, you can, but I'm saying it's out of print, so oh, it's okay. it's harder to find, and you have to pay a lot more money for it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about you? Well, what's your favorite Frank Herbert book? Not to mimic you, but I started with the very first one. Yeah, see? <laughs> no, no, and, and that's... I don't think anybody would blame you for that one. I mean, most people usually started with the first Dune, and there's a reason why that one's considered to be one of the classics out of the whole thing. Exactly. I <laughs> fell in love with Frank Herbert during the very first Dune book, yeah. and I gotta tell you, if you're looking for a really awesome, in-depth, mm -hmm. wordy... Read, yeah. which is just going to blow your mind. Mm -hmm. And if you've read War and Peace, you could totally choke this one down. <laughs> or basically any of Stephen King's books. Yeah. As lengthy as those little fuckers are. <laughs> you can choke down Dune. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but that's actually good. And uh, what about your graphic novel recommendation? You got something equally awesome to uh, recommend? Yes. Um, and I'm actually going to recommend a comic mm -hmm. that is near and dear to me. Yeah. That I really, really enjoy. And I read it often. Yeah. You know, because I like getting inspiration from, you know, some of the greats. Yeah. Exactly. Some of the ones that have not only cemented themselves in the comic industry, but mm -hmm. have, in a way, made a name for themselves in more than just comics. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would have to say... <clears throat> Darum, Captain of the Stars. Well, hey, well, thank you. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. And actually, that kind of matches the whole theme, because that's the whole thing, is that, just as I mentioned before... Um, Dune, I said, amongst various other sci-fi mediums, because I'm not going to sit there and say it's the definitive thing, because yeah. I said there's so many others, but Dune definitely played a big factor in it, as I said. The way how I give my characters 
a lot of flaws and whatnot. It's very reminiscent of the way Frank Herbert made his characters in Dune. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. if you get a chance, go to the website, get the first three issues of Darum, yeah. and you'll yeah. see exactly what we're talking about. Jared oh, yeah. is a bona fide genius. Well, thanks, man. I don't know if I'd use the word genius, but I do thank you for the compliment. You're welcome. He... He has such a way with writing and making things relatable and giving characters depth that if you don't read the series, you're going to miss out on a ton of amazing writing Mm -hmm. and characters that I believe are going to be timeless. Well, thank you. Thank you. And actually, you know what? I'm even going to go for it and and (laughs) suggest the same thing to you is that... um, um, Cor- uh, Corey's stuff is definitely much more fast-paced than mine, but I'd definitely say if you're a big fan of movies that have a whole uh, that have a really good pace to it, that uh, that have uh, that actually you know that actually have good characterization, um, and and hell, if you're just a big fan of like action, yeah, yeah, you know, you definitely love this. I you know. I, I think I think a right comparison was made between the way we do stuff. Uh, you know, because um, Raz had said this before, as he said, <laughs> he said, if I'm if I'm the George Lucas of Crazy Monkey Inc., that you are definitely the Roger Corman. <laughs> this is true, and uh, and and that's the whole thing. And this thing is, you know, one might take that as an insult, but I never did. I kind of understood what he was saying. Is that the thing is. You know, as you said, my stuff I like like to have the grand epic stuff. Exactly. Um, with you, what you tend to do is, and this is still awesome as well, but you have a you have a tendency to kind of go at things like say like how Roger Corman did. Um, you you have a lot of action. You have a lot of uh, you have a lot of blood and guts happening. You 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 know you your yours yours is very much almost like if you were to take. Um, if you were to take like Die Hard, and um, if you were to take like Die Hard and um, and and Mad Max, and like mesh them together into like one movie, and it was a and it was a and it was a big old fast paced sci fi, <laughs> um, fast paced dystopian sci fi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um. But yeah, exactly. So uh, no, and that's actually good. And then, no, please check us out. Check out our website. Please keep checking out this podcast. You can find us on Anchor. You can find us on um, Spotify, various other places that I can't remember right now. But please check us out. <laughs> you can find us on Castbox, Sticker. You can find mm. us on Apple, iTunes. You can find us on Android. Mm. Like you said, you can find us on the Anchor. Um, yeah. app as well which is completely free for both uh, for both versions uh, oh, yeah. uh, for the iPhone and the Android and I know many of you have Spotify so come on no excuse you can check us out on Spotify that's right god damn it don't be selfish <laughs> spread the word we're here to stay until yeah. we die and then please check out our website <laughs> crazymonkeyinc.com once again that's ink with a K and please check out the various titles buy some stuff recommend some stuff to your friends Word of mouth is still very important. Exactly. And with that, Jared, as always, it's fantastic having you on the podcast. I couldn't think of doing this with anybody else, mostly because I wouldn't want to. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. (laughs) And and I'm actually always happy to do this, and then, you know, 
So and, and it's just it's you know honestly it's been great talking about our favorite books the last little bit. So. Exactly, and you'll want to jump on the next podcast because next Saturday we have something extremely special and out of this world planned. You don't want to miss it, and if you do, you're gonna have to kick yourself and throw <laughs> yourself into traffic. All right, and we'll then be listen good. to the podcast. Yes, we'll be good to yourselves, people. <laughs> That's right. Have a beautiful weekend.